scudding half-moon of a late March night. <laughs> this is Dr. Jekyll, friends. I'm hand to uh, tell you a few stories about my old buddy, uh, Mr. Hyde. <laughs> oh, boy, there's some... I wish I could sing the lyrics to this tone. Trouble is, radio hasn't grown up. some kind of saffron-colored wave. <laughs> Bring it up there big. Hold that damn old crummy rotten tiger. Every time. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of uh, 
uh, the talent there. Chris, you know, it, it, it is a highly, uh, it's highly controversial, this problem of talent, and people think in terms of tap dancing, or they think in terms of playing the guitar. Uh, uh, people, when they, you know, when you use the word talent, they think in terms of uh, Robert Goulet uh, trying to sing the Star Spangled Banner. It's not exactly talent, friend. That's just a, that's just a gummy look. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, whenever my mother, when, when you say talent to my mother, my mother thinks of Jessica Dragonette singing the Indian love song. That's my mother's idea of talent. And, uh, of course, it can affect you for, for the rest of your life, you know, what, what the people in your family think is talent. Now, for example, my old man was quite the opposite of my mother. Uh, my, old <laughs> my old man had a friend named Zudok. Now, Zudok would come around once in a while, and uh, Zudok was one of those outrigger friends, you know, that the, he had this friend named Harry Gertz who'd come around, and, and uh, Gertz was famous for one thing. Gertz told the best dirty stories that uh, anybody knew. He had just fantastic dirty stories because he was a dirty man, you know. You can't tell dirty stories just by telling them. Uh, too many people say, hey, I, I got this dirty story, and it just didn't come off. I mean, you cannot imagine Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, you know, nudging, hey, I got this story. It just wouldn't come off. It doesn't, you've got to have talent for rottenness. You've got to have talent. And uh, the old man had this friend named Zudok. Now, uh, Zudok would come once in a while for supper. And uh, they never called it dinner in our Midwest. Uh, uh, dinner means rich people. Supper means red cabbage. And... Uh, <laughs> and the meatloaf, of course, we went a great deal for spam. Uh, when I when I went into the army, I was already well acclimated to spam. Uh, how many of you have ever seen uh, you ever seen mock turkey legs? You never saw that. You mean you've never had mock chicken? Oh. Uh, there's no point in trying to do this show tonight, Corny, because obviously we have no point of reference. I mean, this is, I'm living in the middle of an affluent society, and they don't know what the hell. You know, mock, uh, we had mock chicken. Mock chicken, here's what mock chicken is. You get these, <laughs> I can't even explain it to you. It's made out of ground-up spam. It has little uh, things that, it's, don't, don't laugh at other people's problems. Anyway, I'm this kid, see, and I remember Zudok. This is one of the, one of the moments when I, when I first encountered true talent. You know you've hit something. Because I would sit in the front room with the radio going on, and my mother would sit, and there would be big tears coming out of her eyes because on the radio would be Nelson Eddy. And Nelson Eddy would be singing, Trump, 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 the boys are marching. And the old lady would sit there, and tears would come dribbling down. She'd get her hair curlers all rusty, and everything was crying. And uh, the old man that's sitting, he's sitting over there in the, in the chair up against the window, see, asleep with the newspaper over his head. And you could just see the watt ads of the Chicago Tribune going up and down as he snored, you know, because he did not buy that kind of stuff. My mother would sit there in front of the radio, and uh, Nelson Eddy would sing. He had this other one, too. He would always sing like, Mammy, little baby love, shortening, shortening. Mammy, little baby love, shortening bread. And that bring the tears to her eyes. You know, Mammy's little baby loves shortening bread. And I'm sitting there, and she'd say, That's, isn't that beautiful? And I'm a kid, you know. It's nothing. You know, I'm getting nothing out of this. 
And then, then there would be another program would come on, and this lady named Jessica Dragonette would sing in a very high voice. And she would sing, Oh, the fairies at the bottom of my garden. Singing about the fairies at the bottom of the garden. Well, uh, <laughs> my mother says, Isn't that beautiful? And the old man is lying over there under the paper. You can see the paper going up and down. Obviously, he was making his comment. His idea of talent was Zudok with three beers under his belt telling the story about the Franciscan monk, the bow-legged dachshund, and the three Third Avenue bartenders. It's a fantastic story. I wish I could tell it to you tonight. I still remember it. As a matter of fact, my dad had that embroidered on his DVDs, that story, so he would never forget it. One story he always told, and I remember, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's ironical when you, when, you, when, you, when you hear what people say about people when they're not around. For example, I had this grandfather this time, this grandfather had false teeth, and uh, he was what they would call editorially a dirty old man. Uh, now, this was the, the, my grandfather on, of course, I have to admit it, on my father's side. And uh, he used to sit there uh, in the corner of the living room and never say anything, and then he'd get a couple of drinks, uh, and then he would tell his one story. And this story involved a rooster. Terrible story. I can't even tell it to you now at this point. It's an awful thing. And uh, I remember my mother and grandmother said, shh, the kids are listening. You doggone right they were listening. <laughs> That's the only time they listen all night. He would tell a story. Say, well, now, here's the whole point of this, this harangue here. My, my grandfather, I remember going to my grandfather's funeral and standing up there. Here's the old guy. He's laid out there, you know, and he's got his watch there and everything. And, and up there is the, is the minister. Yeah, he's, you know, looking very pious. And he says, and now I'll tell a story that our dearly departed was always fond of telling me every Sunday afternoon when he would come to this same little church. It seems that once there was a good Samaritan walking along a road, and he met a person of it. That isn't the story that Grandpa used to tell. I was hoping that he would tell, you know, as they're about to lay Grandpa away, he's going to tell the story that Grandpa always told, which was the story about the rooster. And all the little old ladies were sitting around weeping. And I thought, gee, you know, uh, maybe I didn't know the same grandpa that they're talking about. And then he says, and now we are going to play as the dearly departed always would want us to do. We are going to play his favorite piece of music. And from the background, you hear this organ. And you hear this lady singing, Rock of Ages, Clifford. That was not Grandpa's favorite piece of music. I happen to know Grandpa's favorite piece of music, and even in this day of enlightenment, it is impossible to put it on the radio. Grandpa would sing it, and I was kind of hoping that as Grandpa departed, they would sing that song for him one last time. Of course, I don't know whether that lady with the high voice could have managed it, because it had some interesting sound effects. But... Uh... <laughs> And so, you know, evil is not a thing you come to easily. It takes talent. And it wasn't until I was eight years old, and I'm a kid walking around, and I thought, you know, everybody, whenever the word talent was mentioned, I would develop a sweat. I would start to itch. Because I would remember Miss Bundy sitting at the piano playing uh, Over the Waves on the piano. That was called, she was very good. She was a talented lady. She played the piano. And I always thought of ladies singing in high-pitched voices, singing... Oh, there was a fairy in my garden. Or else, 
It was somebody going, Ramp, 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 the boys are marching. Or it was a gigantic orchestra playing a long, boring piece of music by somebody who was dead for 240 years. That's called talent. You know, that was all called culture. One night, I am sitting. This has changed my whole life. One night, I'm sitting in the kitchen. See, and my mother said, now, wash your hands and make sure you wash behind your ears because Dad is bringing Zudok home for supper. And I hear them coming up the back porch. The door slams open. In comes the old man. In comes Zudok. And the four of us, you know, also me, my kid brother, Zudok, my old man, my mother's making the red cabbage. And Zudok looks over at me, see, and uh, he says, would you like me to play some music? I says, yeah. No, I'm a kid. I'll go along with the grown-up stuff. I says, yes. I thought he's going to sing, tramp, 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 the boys are marching. He says, watch. He takes his left hand. Now, get this, kid. He takes his left hand, and he puts it like so. With a right hand over it, see? And I'm looking. This is something new. Takes his two thumbs, holds them up like this. He goes... <laughs> Got it? He's tuned. <laughs> <clears throat> Try that kid sometime. <laughs> and he says, watch this. I said, that's a cuckoo bird. He says, you doggone right, that's a cuckoo. Listen to this. He says, uh, now, uh, you want me to play something? I said, no, make that cuckoo again. Well, I spent the next four hours with Zudok learning how to do this. Right here like this. And the talent which I developed doing that. You notice it does sound like a cuckoo? Listen. See, you can editorialize anything. not easy to learn, is it? Look at them all in there trying to do it now. Did he do it? You didn't know that I knew so many things. See, you should do it with your hands. Look, look, look at it. Uh, that sounds just like a cuckoo, doesn't it? Which reminds me, this is W-O-R. In New York, okay? Hit the money button, Tony. Miller Highlight. Brewed in Hessville, Indiana. Hey, you know, speaking of high life, you know that the, the, the term high life, what it means in uh, Nigeria? You know what the term high life means in Nigeria? I better not tell you. <laughs> I better not tell you. It, uh, it means that. It does. You know, uh, speaking of uh, uh, Zudok, well, now, Zudok finished it. You want, you want to hear more about this thing? Well, well, let's get the commercials out of the way first. Let's see, we have Gavin here. Who is Gavin? Oh, yeah, I see. Uh, is your TV antenna outdated? Have you, thought, have you ever asked that question to yourself? I mean, wouldn't it be... Talk about a new status symbol to have a contemporary TV antenna. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible for you to be caught with an outdated dipole? You know, a, you know last year's dipole, it's a sickening thing. And incidentally, if... Uh, if you're watching a black and white picture that has 16,000 ghosts and it's clouded by snow... By the way, I kind of like snow in a TV picture. You know, a lot of people don't like it. I think there's a nice texture to it. And uh, the other night, for example, I watched Walter Cronkite talk about being on strike. He was on strike, you know. And there were at least 35 Walter Cronkites, all of them walking along, walking 35 dachshunds. 
And they were all talking about the strike, except the one third from the left was a scab. He kept making funny sounds. And that's what happens if you have a TV antenna that gives you ghosts, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of that, uh, I just thought of a great idea for a science fiction movie which I could write. About the TV set that really did get ghosts. Now, don't be funny. No, that's, that's a good idea. No, it isn't. See, and this guy uh, has never had a TV set, and he always heard... Oh, we better finish this. If you get ghosts on your TV set, you call your local Gavin antenna installation specialist, and uh, they'll take care of all those bad pictures you get. I don't know what they can do about uh, the 323rd rerun of a Lucy episode. I hope they can erase it and, you know, update it a little bit. It's so sad to see Lucy riding around in 1948 cars all the time, you know, and saying, Hotcha. Uh, anyway, Gavin Instruments, you call them at 201-356-3500. That's Gavin. Uh, and it's a good idea for that story, isn't it, you know? I'll, you want me to tell it to you on the air? I just thought of the story. All right, uh, before we do that, hit that other whoopee button there. Hit it there. Lady. Oh, man, when you put it in your mood. I like sending other songs. I know some lyrics to this one. They're in Italian. Do you think I could get away with saying what I really feel in Italian? Fellerhead, uh, we would like to recommend to you that you investigate the Rover 2000 TC. Let me tell you, Dad, you drive down the street. You drive through the streets of Teaneck in a Rover 2000 TC, and you've got the entire neighborhood mad already. Especially when they find out how much it costs. This is a magnificent machine. And uh, for those of you who are going to attend the big automobile show at the Coliseum, how right that they have an automobile show at the Coliseum? Think about it, friends. Think of the classical meaning of the word Coliseum. And uh, last year, they even had lions there. They did. They had lions in the Coliseum. If I remember, there was even a Christian got in a little trouble there that last year with a lion in the Coliseum. Well, they don't put shows like they used to put on at the Coliseum. They just got cars there this year. And if you're there, I would suggest you look at the Rover 2000 TC. Majestic English automobile. It's curiously expensive. That's the Rover... <laughs> curiously expensive. That's the Rover 2000 TC. And uh, since there's too many women and children listening to us tonight, I can't tell you what TC stands for. Old English expression. English are pretty raunchy, you know, they want to be. Well, speaking of raunchiness, we've done Gavin, Miller, Cinzano, Rover. Uh, oh, if you'd like a picture of the Rover, just send your name and address to Rover, W-O-R. Send a picture of Faye Henley out uh, to you. You'll like it. It's in color. It's the only color Faye is. Gray. It's a color picture. Oh, oh yes, uh, sorry. We're going to be at the limelight tomorrow night. And uh, it's going to be from 10.30 to midnight. If you can't make the limelight scene, it's down there on uh, 7th Avenue South. And I'm debating whether or not I should tell that story about the guy that got the ghost on his television set tomorrow night, or should I tell it tonight? Should I tell it tonight? Or should I save it for the limelight crowd? They're more grown up at the limelight. they got a couple of scotches under their belt. And they're ready to go, you know? Boy, you don't see half of what goes on at the limelight. That's why when you're listening to it, you're wondering what everybody's laughing about. Have you wondered? Sometimes listening, well, <laughs> there's a lot you don't see. Like, for example, uh, the night the night this guy, well, we don't want to go into that. You know, it's, it's dark back there by the restrooms. This guy walked in, wrong door, the whole scene. 
Lady came shrieking out, and as she came out, a wig flew off. And quite a night at the limelight. The time that the waiter, these little moments, you know, right out of uh, Laurel and Hardy, right out of Laurel and Hardy, the night that the waiter, Mel, came charging out of the kitchen, he came rushing out, and he had this gigantic platter, you know, Corny, one of these big platters they have, it's, he's going to serve about 19 people, it's a great big aluminum platter, right in the middle of my show, Mel comes charging out of the kitchen, he runs into a little short fat lady who looked like a, kind of like a fire plug with feet, you know, he runs right into her, and you could hear her girdle twang, you know, bang, like that. He bangs right into her, and the, the platter went up in the air, turned over in midair, and the platter had 17 orders of lasagna on it, and, and 19 beers. It turned over in midair and went right into the phone booth, the entire shlemu, and here's a little phone booth Indian sitting in the phone booth on the phone, see? <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, you can just hear him. You can almost hear him talking. Hey, Manny, would I lie to you, Manny? And all of a sudden, in through the phone booth came 17 orders of lasagna right down on top of him. And he had this look on the face of a guy who knew all along, all his life, something like that was going to happen. And it was happening. So there's a lot you don't see. Well, speaking of uh, things you don't see there, Tony, I, I might as well do the, uh, the story about scary things. You want to hear scary things? Uh, please, give, uh, first, before you play the scary music, do you have a little uh, guitar music in there? Just a little guitar music, because, I'm, as I said, uh, uh, you, you, uh, you, you just don't approach evil lightly. It takes talent. You've got to work at it. Like, I'm sitting there, and after, after old Zudok plays the thing here, he goes, Hey, listen, if you come down to the limelight, I'll show you how to do that. Would any of you kids like to learn? I'll tell you, listen, let me tell you one thing. Before you play the music, honey, listen to this. I learned this trick with the, uh, with the hands, see? and and it it got to be such a, an obsession that no matter where I went, I'm sitting in the you know, or I'm I'm lying in the sack, see, in the bed. It's two o'clock in the morning. I wake up and I say, I wonder if I can still do that. See? You always suspect when you learn when you learn a trick, when you learn some kind of talent, you always think you forgot it. You always think you don't know how to do it anymore. You know, it's the thing you just the moment. And I'm lying at two o'clock in the morning. I, hear my, my old man go <laughs> and there'd be a long pregnant pause <laughs> and my old man always had a had a thing in his in his craw he believed that if he woke up at three o'clock in the morning he couldn't get back to sleep again unless he drank seven beers he always took it as an excuse when he woke up i'm serious he would he would get up and he would go and my mother would get by don't, don't wake him up he won't go to work tomorrow morning <laughs> And so, if you kids want to learn something that really gets your teachers mad, I'm serious, it really bugs them because it sounds, it doesn't sound like you have made, it doesn't sound like a human whistle. It sounds like a real cuckoo clock, see? If I could get 1,600 kids walking through the halls at Teaneck, Teaneck High, they have a Teaneck High, Clifton High is good too for that, you know? <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of slobs over there anyway, Clifton High. And if, if, if I could get 1,600 kids walking around in, in, in class, in, in, not in class, between classes, see, in the hall, going... <laughs> Let me tell you, that's going to change things in arithmetic class. I'll tell you. And, and, and I started to do this in, in school. 
And, and I had learned it from Zudok. Now, no other kid around there knew how to do this. And so out in the yard, out in the playground, anything, I'd be walking down the street, and I'd see way up ahead. You'd be surprised at how far you can hear this. It has a peculiar piercing quality. And so I would see about 74 blocks ahead, say. I'd see Schwartz. He'd be way up there, you know. I'd see him way up there by the, by the hedges or something, see. And I'd go... Old Schwartz would look around, his eyeballs would pop because I knew something that none of the rest of them knew. I could do this thing. Well, I began to teach various disciples. I began to have disciples, you know. I began to teach various disciples how to do this. It's not easy to do, really. And, and within, oh, I'd say within about three or four weeks, there must have been about two dozen kids who could do this and make this sound consistently. And we became an in-club. And so I would go out on my porch. I'd just walk out on the porch, see. There'd be nobody around. For blocks around, there'd be these houses. And I'd walk out on the porch, and I would go... kid 17 blocks away is giving me the answer and then there would be another pregnant pause and way off in the distance way over by the railroad tracks you'd hear and by five o'clock there would be maybe 35 kids in different parts of the town out on their porches and on top of the house on top of the garage all going The whole town would be alive with cuckoo birds. And you know that in the high school newspaper, they came out with an editorial. That this shows the general decadence, the general rottenness of what is going on, and that any kid caught making a cuckoo bird sound in the auditorium would be kicked out of school for a minimum of three days. Do I have to tell you what happened? I, I don't have to tell you what happened? Well, this was the most ridiculous thing that old man Spohn could have done. Spohn was the principal. We had this principal, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we had a principal that made Lyndon Johnson look like a go-go dancer. I'm serious. We had a, a, a Spohn had, well, he was, he, you know, kids today, you know, you talk about authority. Spohn was like a totem pole. He was honest. He was genuinely authority. He was made out of gray flannel had gray flannel bones. He did. He was made out of gray flannel and marble. Made out of total marble. And you could hear Spone walking along the, along the halls. You'd hear his knees. It's like a statue. You know, it's scary when you see a statue walking around. And Spone was genuinely a true principal. And he stood for principal. His principal. 
And so, <laughs> so that's what principle means, kid, and you know that? And so he stood for this, these principles, which meant he was the boss. And so he issued this editorial through the high school newspaper saying that no kids could blow cuckoo sounds, could make cuckoo bird sounds, in auditorium sessions, especially when Mr. Spohn was going to give a talk about school spirit. <laughs> he was always giving these ridiculous talks, you know, about having school spirit. Any of you got, hey, any of you kids out there got school spirit? Huh? Any of you? You have, huh? That's what I think. School spirit. And so Spohn is up there one day, did the worst thing he could have said. It was the day that the Cooper Bird riot broke out. And Spohn is up there on the stage, you know, auditorium session. The band has just played Pomp and Circumstances, which was a good thing to play when Spohn was on the scene. The band had just played Pomp and Circumstances and was going into the NC4 march, and they were going to go, you know, they were going to wind it all up with a double eagle or something. Spohn gets up and starts to talk. Pupils and our students of Hammond High School, we are now going to sing the school song. The Hammond Victory Song. Well, of course, I had faked all my life with the Hammond Victory Song. Uh, I never learned the words to it. And I remember standing up going, Hammond, for you. Victory is our view. Hammond, fight for Fight, 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 fight. Although some kids said something else when they hollered. It was a terrible word they saw, hollered. Of course, they were always in the back where that, you know, that rabble of kids are in the back, the ones that make obscene sounds and terrible noises awful smells and all. I should have a whole bunch of kids like that. And so <laughs> I remember when Miss Pipe waded into about 36 kids in the back of the auditorium session. They're all singing, fight, 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 fight. Except they weren't saying fight. And she turned green. And uh, so, uh, you know, the, the spirit of protest is not new, friends. It's, it's been around for some time. And Spohn gets up there and starts to talk about school spirit. Well, instantly, throughout the auditorium, there were 2,000 kids in the auditorium, at least 697 started to make their famous... <laughs> Spohn was surrounded with a sea of rampant, on-the-muscle cuckoo birds. <laughs> Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you about this, you know, because now I don't want to give any kids any ideas out there. I don't want to give no ideas to your kids. But if you think wearing a button that says something makes teachers mad, I'll tell you. If you produce your own live rampant on the muscle cuckoo bird at will, this makes a statement beyond all buttons. And if any of you kids would like to learn how to do this, send your name and address to Truth here at W O R. Hey, what's the matter? You want you? Oh, come on! Look at Lily in there. She's a little worried about. We're starting a riot out there. Well, what's the matter with a good clean riot? I never find anything wrong. I, I did. I ever tell you about the time though that I, I I honestly was in the was in the forefront of I think of the first genuine demonstration that ever that ever came about. Uh, and uh, you want me to tell that story tomorrow night at the limelight? I really, I, I, it was the scariest thing in the world, you know, and it involved Mr. Sprone. And I was part of the first demonstration. Huh? Can't read it. You got to write darker there. And uh, I, I was there. I was part of the first demonstration. Well, you know, Zudok taught me another thing, uh, and uh, 
No, I can't tell it now. No, 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 no. There's too many kids listening. Kids don't listen on Saturday night. No, no. I, I, I can't. I don't want to get... Because it, it, involved, it involved the repetition of a single, a single phrase over and over again by over 3,000 kids hollering one word over and over again. One phrase. They hollered, Spoon is a thing! Spoon is a thing! Can you imagine 3,000 kids hollering spoon as a fake over and over outside of high school? Well, it caused a little problems. And I was right there, right in the beginning of it. But nevertheless, I discovered one night with Zudok what talent really was. It wasn't a lady singing, Oh, there is a fairy in my garden. Oh, a fairy, fairy, fairy. That, by the way, is spelled F-A-E. That's a different kind the kind that you continue to beat off. That's another kind. And uh, she wasn't, she wouldn't have known, you know, what it was all. She was, you know, dealing with elves and stuff like that with your shoes, you turn up and all. Well, I, I learned another kind of talent, which uh, has always remained with me. Zudok, that night, after he, hey, what's with the dog in there? Is the dog doing something like that? that? dog can't whistle, I can't. That, uh, <laughs> that after Zudok taught me how to whistle, he then said, and I'm sitting there, you know, with my eyes are as big as saucers, you know, this wild thing. Zudok, sitting at the table, took his left hand. He said, watch this. He took his left hand, and he took his right hand in it, you know, put it, put it in his right hand, and he, no, he cracked his knuckle. No, he didn't do this. He cracked them one at a time, and each knuckle was a different note. I couldn't believe it. And so, you know, I'm sitting there. My kid brother is by, you know, my kid brother for the first time in over six weeks has stopped whimpering. And he has come out from underneath the daybed because he too recognizes talent. And Zudok goes... He's cracking his knuckles. And I'm watching him. He says, now watch this. He says, uh, are there any... Uh, any requests? What would you like me to play? And so I'm sitting with my mouth hanging open. You know, I can't even think of a tune to play. He says, uh, how about, uh, all right, let's try something. He goes. that counterpoint on your knuckles. This son of a gun could get an eight octave range with five miserable little knuckles. He used his thumb, though, I'll admit. A lot of uh, second-rate knuckle crackers never learned the thumb movement. And he was double-jointed. Now, that was the secret. Now, you, have you ever seen anybody who's double-jointed? To me, this is talent. Absolute talent. Can throw his thumb out of joint? Well, well, I began to discover a whole area of talent that had never been shown to me as talent. Do you know that I think that if, if, a, if a guy came on and could crack his knuckles and play uh, Columbia, the gem of the ocean, he could make it big on the Ed Sullivan show today if he get a good echo chamber, and he could have, you could have electrified, you know, electronic knuckles. And, uh, <laughs> you know, after all, it didn't go all the way. And, and my old man, my old man had one talent that he always used at every party. 
Now, a lot of you people wonder how it is that Shepard got the way he is. You know, how come he isn't like your dad? How come he isn't like your kid brother? Well, I'm going to tell you the difference. See, now, seriously, here's the big difference now. Some kids grow up in families where mothers and dads send them off to take violin lessons. That's a kid that is done already. He is lost. Or they have, you know, they have a mother that says, uh, what you want to do is take uh, accordion lessons. That kid is done. Or he lives in the family where the mother and father keep taking him to uh, Sound of Music. Or they keep taking him, yes. Yeah, well, I wish you, you'd be better off if you did live in a family where your dad says what you should do is take bass horn lessons. <laughs> Two of the lessons. You'd be on your way to making it, kid. However, however, uh, speaking of the sound of music, did you hear about this lady who saw, who has seen the sound of music 397 times? How about that for a nut? I mean, that is really sick. That is a sick lady. And she not only has seen it 397 times, but when they took it out of the movie house where she, you know, lives, they finally moved the picture out, you know, played a year there. They finally took it out, and now she travels over 85 miles a day to see it every day. I'm reading this here to you. She sits in the theater, and she recites the dialogue before the players say it, all through the thing, and she sings all the songs. Oh, boy. And they call Allen Ginsberg sick. Boy, that old lady should be in the slam, that one. I mean, it's bad enough going to see Sound of Music in the first place. But sitting there seeing, you know, 397 Sound of Music and saying the dialogue. Have you ever listened to the dialogue in Sound of Music? That dialogue, really, that dialogue makes Winnie the Pooh sound obscene. That dialogue, that dialogue is made out of pure marshmallow with caro syrup all over. Pure marshmallow, caro syrup. <laughs> but, uh, oh, uh, oh wait, I forget. Yeah, I was going to tell you about the uh, knuckle thing, wasn't I? And about how it affected me. Well, I guess, uh, I... I the real, the real secret of it all, the genuine secret of it all, of course, is that my old man had one ploy at every birthday party he went to, every party, every whoopee party that he used to go to, when the party is getting sick and getting dull and everybody's sitting around and the beer is getting a little bit flat, my old man would get up on the table and do this trick. He would do this trick. You want to see? No, I can't show you what the trick was because it would make you sick. He would do this trick. It was the one talent that my old man had. He could... You want to hear it? He could throw his shoulders out of joint. Have you ever seen a guy walk around with his shoulders out of joint? He'd throw his shoulders out of his joint, and his hands would hang down behind him, like, you know, like, like his arms were attached to the back of his neck. See? And the people would go ape. They would scream and yell and holler. They'd say, how do you do that? Well, I can't do it. My shoulders are not double-jointed. You know, the old man, some got it, some ain't. I mean, some have got talent, some haven't. The old man would walk around with his arms out like that, and he would pretend he was King Kong. And I'll tell you, he made the real King Kong look like a squirrel. He would go around, and he would make his teeth get big, and the women would faint. And the, you know, the men would jump up and run out and hide under the dining room table. And that was his number one talent. And I want to tell you this, friends. If he had been given three minutes on the Ed Sullivan Show, he would have gone all the way. And so, ever since that time, my idea of talent has been Jews harp playing, kazoo playing, knuckle cracking, guys that have got a double-jointed thumb, guys that can, can play uh, Beethoven's Fourth Symphony on a rubber band, 
you know, working out like that. Guys that can play Vivaldi on whiskey jugs, Swiss bell ringers. I know a lady, by the way, who's got a double-jointed left knee. And she goes into the cab, you know, or she sits in the bus, and when it gets quiet, she throws her knee out of joint. And you can hear it. It goes, pow! And the crowd looks and applauds. I mean, some got it, some ain't. 